Hello and welcome to Hello's brand new podcast, In A Good Place. I'm your host, Rosie Nixon, and in every episode, I'll be chatting to an inspirational personality on my mission to discover how to lead the kind, happy and fulfilled life we all deserve. We live in a busy world and it's easy to feel overwhelmed or burnt out at times. So this is a podcast about real life, the one away from the spotlight. We're unapologetic about being vulnerable here at In A Good Place, and I'll be asking the same from our guests, all with the aim of inspiring others and helping you, our lovely listeners, to understand that you are not alone. At the beginning of each conversation, I'll ask my guests if they're in a good place. I love this question and can't wait to see how it is interpreted and where our conversation leads us. At the end of each chat, I guarantee you'll feel one step closer to creating the life you want to wake up to. I am absolutely delighted that Luxury Family Hotels are our partners for this series. If anyone knows about being in a good place, it's them. Luxury Family Hotels is a collection of five hotels, estates and manors in some of England's finest countryside and coastal locations. And having experienced some of their hotels for myself, I can personally vouch for them having put me and my family into a good place the moment we step through the doors and drop our bags. This week, I'm thrilled to welcome Katie Piper onto the podcast. Katie is a TV presenter, speaker, author, podcaster, charity campaigner, and she's married to Rich and the mother of two beautiful young girls, Belle and Penelope. She is a beacon of positivity, and I'm also lucky enough to call her my friend. Katie inspires me because she's one of those incredibly rare people who has taken a truly horrendous, life-changing experience that happened to her and turned it into a means to help others. In 2008, Katie was the victim of a brutal rape and acid attack, with sulfuric acid leaving her face severely burned and blind in one eye. She's since undergone surgeries, from skin grafts to eye operations to rebuild her face. But the mental scars are of course often invisible, and working on her confidence has led Katie down a path of self-discovery and, impressively, a new career as someone who builds confidence and promotes a positive mindset in others. In 2009, she set up the Katie Piper Foundation, the only charity in the UK dedicated to delivering rehabilitation for burn survivors and those living with severe trauma scarring. Katie has rightly won many accolades and she was awarded an OBE in the Queen's 2022 New Year's Honours list in recognition of her services to charity and burn survivors. All of this takes a certain outlook, strength and positivity that is almost superhuman. Where she finds this inner strength is something I'm really keen to talk to Katie about today. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. So tell me, are you in a good place? Yeah, I am. And it's funny because I've been doing a lot of reflecting over the past few days because I'm about to turn 39. So... (gasps) Yeah, wow. I, was, I was asking myself that question, you know, am I not just in a good place, but am I where I thought I would be personally yeah. and professionally um, and, and really be, and knowing that next year is 40 and it's mm. sort of like the start of a new era, the end of something. So, yeah, I, I have been doing lots of reflecting about that and and feeling just content and just OK about everything and accepting of everything, which is a, a nice feeling. Oh, that's good. And that is a big milestone, isn't it? The end of one decade, start of the next, 40 is a big one. How do you feel about the 40s? Um, I feel really fortunate. Um, You know, somebody that I became, I suppose close to is the wrong word, but became really interested in their story was Deborah James. Mm. And, you know, my mum has the same cancer and Deborah's sort of similar age to me. 
So I always find it so sad when I hear women moan about their age and, and sort of, you know, another birthday and keeping the age secret because you think there's so many people that would love to age and it's such a privilege, you know. It really is. I'm glad you said that because I was just thinking that because that's what Dame Deborah really taught us, wasn't it? To live every day, to make the most of just being alive and being healthy yeah. and appreciating what we have. And when you kind of, as a woman, when you buy into that thing of feeling embarrassed about being older and living another year, like you're just perpetuating that it's not okay for women to, to age and that we lose some kind of value and it's it's just not true. So, yeah, I feel really privileged to, to have made it to 39. <laughs> um, and also, if I sort of look at myself in decades of 20s to 30s, all of my 30s, I've, I've been a mother, you know, I've been married, I've had my career. So it's kind of been out of the, the expectations I had for my 30s when I was in my 20s. So I think yeah. that's a great reflection as well. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, I'm halfway through my 40s and a bit. Right. And I can say that I think it's been the best decade ever. I mean, yeah. I've really loved it. So, and you're right, it is such a privilege. Now, we're talking just a few days after the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II, mm. and which has obviously been quite a momentous time for people in Britain. How has the death of the Queen affected you? Has it has an, had an effect on, on you at all? Yeah, I think it's been extremely sad um, because, you know, first and foremost, I, I see her as a working mother, you know, okay, her life was very different to some mothers, but I'm sure she still carried the same guilt that all women do. Mm -hmm. uh, she was a, a big role model for lots of us um, who work and have children. She showed us how to carry on in the face of adversity, but how to do it with dignity, how to never explain or moan, yeah. you know, and all that service right to the very end. And also a lot of sacrifice, I think, which a lot of women would identify with as well. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, lots of people have shared fond memories, different experiences with her. And whatever your opinions and, and thoughts on her are, she was the one thing that held us all together. She was the one consistency and, and she was the glue. And I think a lot of people are going to feel quite discombobulated in the next few weeks because... She has gone, you know, we have got this great new king, but I think any sudden change uh, can leave you feeling a bit adrift sometimes in life. You're right, yeah, and we don't all react to big changes in the same way, do we? Now, you were also lucky enough to have got your OBE at the yeah, beginning yeah. of this year. What an honour while the Queen was, was still around, but you received it from Princess Anne, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. I've, I've saved everything. Like when you get the letter from the palace, I've even saved the envelope. And, oh, great. Yeah, <laughs> memory box. And I do feel very fortunate to have received that whilst, you know, she was still in power. And it was a really special moment in my life and, and also for the charity to get that recognition sort of all these years on from and doing everything we've been doing so mm. yeah I think anybody that's ever been recognized by the monarchy will know um, it's a really sort of pinch me moment and a particular yeah. charity work it opens other doors for the charity too yeah certainly well congratulations again on that and it is an unsettling time and I think you know the death of a monarch on such a big scale and the outpouring of national grief that we saw has resurfaced perhaps some sort of triggering emotions for lots of people certainly when I was fortunate enough to go into the press pen and see the queen lying in state to report for hello I, I shed a few tears for my grandmother while I was in there and I think there 
there is a sense of it bringing back lots of difficult emotions for people. What sort of advice do you have for people feeling that way? Yeah, I think you're so right. I think it goes beyond just the, the personal loss of her and, and, and us sort of feeling for the family too. It, it takes us back to our own bereavements. And I, I think it's important to say that loss looks different for everybody, which, which means the grieving process will be such a personal thing. And not all bereavements are losing a person. It can be the end of the, an era. It can be your life changing as you know it. You know, it can be circumstances out of your control. Mm. And I just think sometimes it isn't immediate and you can sort of think you've developed coping mechanisms and uh, things can change like this happening with the Queen and yeah. stuff can come flooding back. And I think just to normalise that, sometimes things evolve and sometimes they're a bit circular as well and don't have a, a beginning and a middle and an end and mm -hmm. try not to make comparisons of oh, I should be feeling like this at this stage or that shouldn't be coming back am I weak have I not dealt with stuff I think it's actually probably a good thing if things come back because it shows you're still in touch with your emotions and yeah. you're still able to experience them and process them and the sort of alternative would be to be slightly numb to things and feel a, a little bit disjointed and a bit disillusioned with life which is actually more of a dangerous place to be so if you have been a bit triggered and traumatized by this then you're human and you're feeling stuff and that's a that's a good place to be yeah and you are someone I mean just listening to you talk then you're such a beacon of positivity <laughs> and, and hope you really are but I'm sure it hasn't always been that way for you you know how do you what are your sort of founding blocks or like cornerstones for rebuilding after such a horrific trauma has happened to you? Yeah, I think it's really important to say that like when you think about being positive and that whole movement of sort of positivity, mm -hmm. um, it can feel a bit robotic if you sort of claim to be like that all the time. And I don't think anybody is. And, and if you sort of seek that way in life, you're almost saying other emotions aren't valid and that anger is a negative emotion. I don't, like there isn't, a for me, there's no such thing as negative emotions. The most happiest, kindest people experience anger. You know, some yeah. people experience anger on a daily basis, but it's still controlled. So I think first of all, it's acknowledging there's this whole spectrum and allowing it into your life. Otherwise you're not able to sort of move forward because life is all about acceptance and mm -hmm. lots of things happen to all of us that we don't always invite and seek in our lives and we don't always welcome them but we do have to accept them um, can we, we just, ever truly accept though do you think like can um, you ever get over or accept what happened to you for example I think they're separate things because if you mm. say to get over something like if, if you're talking about bereavement and a death people never say get over losing a child they would always want to change that but do they eventually accept it so they can move forward with their life and parent their remaining children? I think, yes, they do. So, yeah, I think on a more broader scale, we must all practice acceptance to move forward in life. Mm. If we don't, we have that stagnant period. And I think we could all look back on our lives and say, oh, God, I was in a certain place for a couple of years and I didn't really move forward. But yeah. it's always a hindsight. You can see that. Mm. And perhaps, I mean, even anger can be a useful emotion at times. Is there a way to channel it in yeah. a positive way? 
I definitely think there is. I've, I've read books where people talk about anger being their medicine because yeah. it's been like procrastinating and it makes them move forward. I think one life lesson I've definitely learned is your current pain is always your greatest. So by that, I mean stuff that happens in the past, is that's where it is. It doesn't exist anymore. So when you look back on that with the benefit of hindsight, you sort of say, oh, it wasn't that bad in the end. I could get through it. And whatever you're dealing with right now always feels the worst, always feels yes. overwhelming. So I think you can always take comfort in knowing, well, your present pain is going to be in the past one day and then you'll move on to the next thing that you'll swear to yourself you can't deal with and is so overwhelming. And that too will be in the past one day as well. Yeah, that's true. What a great life lesson that Mm. is. Um, And I also think that sort of being out of your comfort zone and going through the pain and the anger and those difficult emotions. I, I always think of, you know, an analogy with rock climbing in that you have to take your hand off the rock to be able to put it on up higher and to move up and get to the place that you need to be. Yeah, it's so true. I wrote this thing down, right? This is a really good thing mm. I read. And, it, and it's so true, that analogy of the, the climbing, because I think it's more in like current culture, sort of like Gen Z. Yeah. We sort of get taught that every path or every every path in life or every job that we do professionally we must enjoy and mm. um, we must love it in every single way and I think what that does is it encourages people to constantly seek out new roles and yeah. to, quit, to quit things to end relationships find distractions in tough times whether it's destructive distractions or or other things and that kind of halts that learning process because I know it sounds cliche, but in all those times there, that's when you develop your resilience. So if you keep veering off and ending stuff and seeking other stuff, the result is you'll never progress. You'll never actually find what you love to do. You'll never find your resilience. But that climbing analogy you talk about, that climbing is is agonizing. But when you reach the summit, the view is always worth it. So we have to take it back a bit old school and say, don't just quit, don't move on, don't find other things, just persevere. And it may sound cliche, but those dark times will develop your character and your mm-hmm. resilience. Yeah, you're you're so right. That's brilliant. And I think actually you live, you are the embodiment of that, especially on your social media channels. I love following you on Instagram because you do show everything, you know, the highs as well as the lows and the difficult days um, and the days where everything is is sort of going well. And, you know, you've shared some really difficult times, you know, most recently, I know the eye operation that you had recently was particularly hard. Um, So why do you think it's so important to show all of that on Instagram? Yeah, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, I think, you know, first of all, a career that I do, it really is down to the public. You know, if the public didn't get behind me and support my projects, I wouldn't be doing it. So I think also there's a bit of give and take in that relationship because they buy your books, they read them, they write reviews. I think you owe it to them to share other parts of your life too, to be kind of transparent about everything because... You know, I've followed accounts before where the pe- people are up at 5 a.m. making bread. They've done, been for a run. They've done a school run. And, and you just end up feeling like a really inferior crap mom and, and, and making that comparison. So I like to be authentic in that way. And I think also the way I came to people was through being injured and what happened to me. So people sort of want to know that progress. But mm-hmm. I have a love-hate relationship with it because equally, I kind of don't really want to talk about it in depth. And as it comes to a place of kindness that empathy people have with me, but I don't want endless messages in my inbox 
No, well, that's really hard to look after yourself amongst that. I mean, I was with you recently at the big festival and we had a lot of fun there. But I remember somebody coming up to you and saying, you're a national treasure, Katie, somebody that followed you on Instagram. And you felt quite and I was like, yes, you are. You need to own that title. And you were almost quite sort of found it hard to take that compliment. Yeah, I think I'm really lucky with the people that I get to meet because they're always really decent people that they've often faced adversity as well. So they're kind of my kind of people. But I think the downside is sometimes being in a fun moment and being dragged back to a more challenging time, yeah. which doesn't happen all the time. Um, but I kind mm. of lost the choice of like, in terms of sharing medical things, it's always my face. So if I don't share it, on my Instagram and explain why I look a bit different this month. I face endless questions about my appearance. So it's but that is difficult. I see what you mean. You don't necessarily yeah. want to go back there and have that conversation when you're yeah. trying to have fun at a festival with your family. It's it is difficult, conflicted. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in terms of people telling you their personal stories and things, how do you sort of create that barrier? How do you manage to keep look after yourself? Well, I used to be terrible at it. Um, but now, <laughs> now I'm really good. I'm very boundaried. Um, and I've sort of like sectioned my life into, you know, we've got this great charity with psychotherapists. We signpost mm. sister charities. So if people need real support with burns and scars, we've got that service. We literally refer them. I set up my podcast, which has a variety of guests that come on and talk about all kinds of adversity, not just what happened to me. So I've got that resource for people. Mm-hmm. And then really I channel it into my books. You know, that's what kind of pushed me to go through my autobiography into self-help books. Yeah. So to, to write that for people and signpost them to there. So it's it's about kind of knowing when to give some of yourself, but not all of yourself and not just be a yes person. Mm. Yeah, you're right. And it's incredible. I mean, what you built up with the charity and all the resources that you have created to support others going through those situations is really incredible. But what about your own personal support network? I mean, obviously, your husband, he's an amazing support. Is he sort of your number one? Yeah, he is. And it's hard because I suppose, I mean, you you probably know this very well as well. We do a job where everyone sort of gets the best of us and then you sort of don't want to go home and be like, whoa, <laughs> so true. Yes. And moan about it. Yeah. yeah. I'd sort of be exhausted and just kind of. Yeah, it's true. Cause you're running on re- adrenaline a lot of the time in the day when you're performing, you've got your breakfast show as well now. Yeah. So it's hard and I, I don't have all the answers for it because I'm not the perfect person. And I often, um, get it wrong and then have to like regroup and say oh that this person's getting the best of me and this relationship suffering so I would say it's quite ongoing for me and I, I make lots of mistakes so my biggest advice is to sort of be humble and self-aware and say actually I've been a bit rubbish this month at this let's mm. try and change that and just remember it's never fixed you never sort of achieve it and it cracked it you know Yes, certainly. I I agree with you. And I often feel that, yeah, from one week to the next one week, you feel like you're nailing everything and Mm. being this working mum that's actually managed to get to school, pick up a couple of times. And then other weeks, it's all gone out of the window. But that's life. I think once you become sort of happy with a certain state of imperfection, and lower your expectations, then life is so much more enjoyable. 
Yeah, actually, I think that's really good advice because really we're sort of our own own worst enemy because no one else is standing around you saying, why haven't you done everything? Why aren't you a Stepford wife? Why aren't you a CEO all at once? It's, it's actually your own inner voice and probably comparison thinking that everyone yeah. else is. And I don't think anyone else really is achieving all that at once. No, and the inner voice is such a good point and actually brings me very neatly onto your, um, your new book, A Little Bit of Hope, which I've got oh. here, which I've been really enjoying which is a book of affirmations so there are a hundred affirmations in here for sort of living a positive and a hopeful life tell me a bit about the idea behind the book yeah so it's a follow-on from I had another affirmation book um, called a little bit of faith and Mm. after I wrote that book I started volunteering in prisons um, mainly in female prisons to help with the rehabilitation um, of women and the literacy age is an average of 11 in prisons and lots of people face that wow barrier. yeah Gosh, so i didn't realize it was that low yeah it, that's the average um right. and some are lower so it's a big barrier for women when they're trying to restart their life in terms of admin paperwork uh, employment housing um, so i started going in and doing workshops with women and when i wanted to bring out the paperback version of the hardback affirmation book I wanted to rename it and lower the literacy age and shorten it and change some of the vocab. Um, And then I worked with a prison charity so that I could supply them for free to the prison library and into the cells uh, for women to kind of read and ruminate on. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. That's all tied in with their inner voice, you know, the way that they're learning to have greater respect for themselves. Yeah. Self-esteem, identity, confidence. And then I was able to work with my publisher so that I could donate um, a royalty on every book to a prison charity as well. So, yeah, it's kind of... the book would be suitable for sort of light reading teenagers mm. and those those kind of people. But yeah, well, it's a book you can sort of dip into, or you could read one a day. Um, yeah. And so many of them jumped out at me, but I especially was sort of drawn to this one because this is something that I often struggle with around boundaries. Okay. And this one is, um, I will respect myself by ensuring that others respect my boundaries. Yeah, it's powerful. I found it is really powerful because how do we do that in a kind way? I think often, you know, as women with everything that we have going on in our lives, it's really hard. And the guilt that we feel when we can't be everything we want to be to everybody that has a demand on our time. So how do we put in place boundaries in a sort of sympathetic way? I think it's about not letting fear rule you because boundaries are often broken for fear of what other people will think or say about us Mm -hmm. but they've never actually said that we've said that internally they will think this they will make up their mind about Mm. that like has anyone ever really said that to you when you it's true never you know yes in in nearly 39 years of my life I don't think I've ever had that reaction when Mm -hmm. I found you in place and if you do it's really telling of why that person's in your life and it's for personal gain you know yes it's it's quite an exploratory kind of process putting in boundaries because you sort of understand people's motivations for keeping a a relationship with you really yeah you're right and there are people that I know who are very good at setting Mm -hmm. boundaries and I respect them enormously you know because they'll be up front and tell you if it's something that they can or can't do for you and you don't think any less of them and they let you down less. So in your head, you view them as more reliable and solid. Yeah. 
And I think you go to them with important stuff and valuable stuff because you then respect mm-hmm. their time as a more valuable currency. Yeah. So you both end up establishing a better relationship with one another. So it's good for you both in the long run. Yeah, that is true. That is something I'm really going to try to take on board. I mean, there are so many great things in this in this book. And, you know, I'll not compare my life to other people's curated output again referring back to what we were talking about on Instagram it's such a good daily reminder to have but what about your own sort of self-care because a lot of the conversations that I'm having through this podcast is about how we put ourselves into a good place and how we bring self-compassion into our lives and it's easy to forget ourselves in this hectic sort of non-stop always on world how what role does self-compassion play in your life I think it's quite hard, actually, because I do think whilst the world is better for women, there's sort of, there's, we're expected, there's all new things that we can do that we couldn't have done 100 years ago, but we also have to do the old things as well. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like we wear more hats and we haven't lost any hats. So sometimes you can really beat yourself up about things. And I think because I'm very into visuals, you know, things like affirmations, I have to literally have a talk with myself and say, no, that's ridiculous. You're this, you're that. You've done this, you've done that. These people have bought tickets to come here and hear this. And, you know, I have to really take myself back to basics and give myself like the kind of talking to that you would have been given at school when you got in in trouble, you know, because I'm very like visual and methodical like that. I think... um, also, sometimes I do things that are a bit placebo and it sounds a bit sort of pathetic, but I understand like self-care for some people can sound frivolous, but I don't think, I don't you know, think it is like for me, it's really practical stuff. Like if I'm really stressed and overwhelmed with work, I just want an hour to go home and sort out all the washing, tidy up, uh, order the Ocado, repack mm-hmm. my work choose my dress I'm wearing tomorrow and those sound like sort of silly domestic things but it's deeper than that it's like a placebo sense of control that I'm organized I'm in order I'm not going to be uh shouting at the kids in the morning because I Mm. didn't get my shit together the night before yeah yeah a sense sense of calm yeah yeah and it's so much more than tidying up um so yeah, it, it's, and it just works for me. Whether it's real or not, either way, it makes me a little bit more calmer, measured in the morning, and less fight or flight. And I feel yeah. really bad when I leave the house in a rush and I've shouted at everyone. Oh, it's a horrible before. feeling, isn't it? And yeah. then and the kids are late, and everybody it really does get the day off to a bad yeah, start. And, and it's sometimes it's hard to make that back. through the day isn't it yeah Yeah, I'm quite like you on the organized thing I like to know what I'm wearing the next day even if it's just in my mind I've just sort of gone through my wardrobe picked something out and and I know that 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 helps with a sense of calmness I know that journaling as well has also been a part of your life and and you used to shred up your journals I read that Um, (laughs) is that something you still do or how does journaling have an impact on your life yeah, definitely. In the early days, I would journal sometimes even in the form of letter writing. So actually addressing letters to people and ripping them up because no answers lie within somebody else Like you can't look to other people for closure or answers. They lie within, but sometimes writing that letter 
gives it to you on the paper what you were looking for. So that really helped me. In more recent times, I do journal probably nearly every day, but it's not... Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, it's not daily as in chronological order and reciting what's happened to me. It's in my notes section of my iPhone, in taxis, on in the gaps between jobs, events, commuting, uh, writing thoughts, feelings, emotions, practical lists, to-do lists, um, ideas... Um, reflections, good, bad, identifying patterns. Uh, right. It, it's it's all like stuff that's like up here that uh-huh. will get completely forgotten in three hours for some weird mm. reason. And um, do you keep that on one notes, or do you start yeah. a new one each day? And They're do completely you... separate. I can't keep them on one, otherwise it gets too lost. Yes. And then it's linked to other devices like my um, laptop and my um, iPad. And it's really helpful when you, so when I come to do something like this, I've got tons of notes all about how I feel and all about resilience and stuff. And if I get asked to write a corporate talk or a proposal for a book, I sort of got that there. Yeah. Um, I have like a good bank as well. Like when I get feedback from people, um, from jobs and stuff and good things, I just put them in the good bank. And when I feel really crap about myself, I just sometimes go and read a bit of the good bank. So, you know, that, That's a lovely thing to do because we are so bad at holding on to the maybe negativity or, you know, the responses that we've got from something that didn't go quite so well for us. Yeah. And I think when you're in the public eye, all you need to do at one click of a thumb is go on Twitter and, oh. and read all the reasons why everyone thinks I you're know probably. the comments on certain yeah unmentionable <laughs> websites and yeah, yeah it's horrible how yeah. do you deal with that I mean from where I stand and obviously I see a very supportive community around you and Instagram yeah. do you ever experience negativity in the online world yeah I think it's actually worth saying you're right my my community is like 99% really positive Um, And I think how you deal with it is personal responsibility and creating things like that positive archive, because it is a bit hurtful going online and you've been on telly and someone's like, oh, you're so ugly, you're so fat, you're so boring. And you think, well, actually, that's that's not true. And I can't make that my truth. I'm going to go and read all this other stuff that I've saved in my Mm -hmm. notes section. And yeah, I think you just, you can't take like one egg profile as the view of the population. You've got to put it in yeah so that's good because I know a lot of other people really struggle with that and find it hard to build up that kind of resilience no I've Um, been through worse that can't that can't yeah exactly that's true it's all a matter of perspective as well isn't it but the positivity archive I love that idea um I think I might have to start a note on my um on my file for that what about x yeah send me yeah yeah yeah, you can kick it off I'll send you some for you as well um what about exercise and does that have a part in your life or certainly for me a way that something that puts me in a good place is going out for a run I love being having moved to the country and getting outside into a green space does wonders for my mental health yeah I'm exactly the same and I know it's wrong to feel guilty but um, I always feel guilty for like doing fun stuff without the kids and it's not that I don't think I should have my own time it's that my career takes up so much of my time if I then come out free time to do like leisure stuff I'm just never seeing anybody so I feel like exercise I directly sort of link it back to I'm living longer and I'm going to be here for my kids 
when they've got kids and yes. all the so that that way I, I can rationalize it that it's not being selfish um and and like you you know there's that sort of place to decompress it's outside it's it's a place to sort of think about work and sort of de-stress a bit so I think it's good for mental health are you a gym person I don't enjoy the gym as much as I enjoy running but I do do both because I like strengthening with weights um mm-hmm. but I do sometimes get that phobia of fear like oh no everyone's looking at me and I, I would need that bit of equipment and it's busy and I don't want to go over there and you know I can I can sometimes feel like that but yeah I, I exercise at least three to four times a week and I always get those things of like oh can't be bothered to go but when I'm there I always enjoy it you never regret it do you that's what I feel like going for a run even if it's 15 minutes I'm not going to regret it yeah and it, it also is like a good thing to bank because then you get more energy and you sort of get extra time it feels in a weird way mm. and you love your fashion as well I always yeah. love that you post your outfits on Instagram and that is a subject I think that's far from trivial when it comes to discussing confidence and putting ourselves in a good place certainly for me it makes a big difference I love colour and it puts me in a good place when I'm wearing something bright and cheerful how does fashion and what you wear put you in a good place yeah I'm totally in the same vein as you as it's not frivolous it's um deciding how you're going to present to the world showing your own levels of self-respect self-esteem it's actually communicating with people in an in a different language um if I think about people at my charity who um, are in the early stages of burns they can't communicate their femininity or how they feel to the world through hair and makeup because they're in a recovery. So sometimes their clothes are their only tools. Yeah. And you know, equally, when we don't want to connect with the world, we might dress in a way that's sort of baggy of black clothes, don't come near me kind of thing. And that, that too can be really helpful sometimes and, and can be an armor as well. So yeah, I, I think never underestimate the power of an outfit and sometimes helping you sort of fake it a little bit when you're not really feeling it. I think that can be a, a really good thing in the toolkit as well. And yeah. it's just a way to have fun. Like life can get very serious when you've got, you know, bills and kids and responsibilities at work. And sometimes your clothes can be an area where you can sort of regress and have a little bit of fun as well, which is seriously underrated. You know, you need to find areas in life where you can be fun and playful. Yeah, you're right. And you were definitely rocking the festival outfits at the big (laughs) festival. I was very impressed. And having slept in a tent um, (laughs) with little facilities, you still looked incredible. And I can tell that you really enjoy fashion and have fun with it. But similarly, I love, I don't know if you're like me, that when I get home and I know I'm not out of an evening, I will put on my comfies and I have my house clothes and my cosy jumpers that I can snuggle up with the kids on the sofa in. Yeah, I'm exactly like that. I'm bra off straight yes oh god definitely my my socks on and actually the kids have got the same habit as me they do the same they take all their clothes off they put their jammies on and I think it's like a togetherness of oh it's just us now and we're in Mm. for the night no one's leaving Mm. and it's like changes the mood in the house which is really a nice sort of signal to relax yeah, a PJ day as well. Mine mine would have a PJ day on a Saturday and Sunday every weekend if they were yeah. allowed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what's next for you, Katie? I know you've got the breakfast show, which seems to be going really well. How are you finding that? Are you enjoying yeah. it? That was a really great opportunity. I mean, I've been working with ITV Daytime on Loose Women, which I've really enjoyed. Mm. And then this opportunity came up to have my own breakfast show. Um, and that was a real kind of bucket list thing for me to be able to go and anchor and host on my own. 
And it was kind of a mixture of auto cue and then ad-libbing and interviewing guests. So I really enjoyed that. And I'd love to do more of that, bringing those two kind of worlds together. Well, you seem someone that's very good at moving on to new chapters in life, because I'm a firm believer that we have various chapters in life. And as one closes, other opportunities come up. And it, it feels to me like we are, as a nation, about to embark on our next chapter. September is obviously always a time of new beginnings with the kids going back to school. But with the Queen passing, new Prime Minister, it's a new beginning. How are you with new chapters in life? Do you embrace them? Do you find them difficult at all? Yeah, sometimes I'm too ruthless, actually, um, because I had such a forced change in my 20s. I've gone the other way and really embraced it and I've been able to do it and you know sometimes I'll be like chucking stuff out and people are like that's really sentimental what are you doing and I'm like oh sorry okay yeah maybe that's a bit much yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) pulling stuff out the bin and and stuff like that so yeah I don't really fear change which doesn't mean I don't experience sadness and 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 mourn sort of ends of eras I do but I sort of move forward and maybe sometimes that's a downfall of mine that I do move forward too aggressively and Sometimes I maybe need to be a little bit more softer and more, and more gentle, but I haven't been afforded that luxury when I was younger. I had to mm-hmm. be slightly like more matter of fact and harder about things. Um, but in terms of new beginning in September, I, I did laugh when you said that because it's been such a shock going back to school with the kids. Um, and like all the hobbies, the clubs, the kit, the water bottles and like, oh no, I've got to get back from London in time for ballet and I haven't done the hair in a bun. And so it's been an absolutely catastrophic start to the new oh, beginning. Oh no, it's overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. Does anxiety sort of get to you? Do you suffer from anxiety or do you have a way of controlling it? I do get it. And I just also feel really bad because I'm always the mum that's forgotten the snack in between school and the gymnastics class. And yeah, it wasn't for those WhatsApp groups and certain keen people that are very on it. I would be in a mess and the children would definitely be um, underachieving. I'm always behind in that WhatsApp group. You know, I'll I'll get on the train home from work and I'm like, right, go back through 68 messages. I know. (laughs) Pretend that you knew what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, we're nearly there. I mean, it's as always amazing chatting to you and fills me with positivity and hope. And I really do love the book, A Little Bit of Hope. It's fantastic. But I'm going to finish just on three quick takeaways because I want to know from you, Casey, what's the best piece of advice you've been given? It's quite simple, actually. And it is do what is right, not what is easy. And I think, you know, when you're questioning in life, which sort of road to take and what to do I think we always know deep down and I think it's really important to sort of go with that that moral sense and that gut feeling yeah that's great and what is the one thing guaranteed to put you in a good place it's probably simplicity it's sort of you know knowing you've got a a day off a gap in the diary a a weekend free of any commitments that Mm. simplicity of like stillness and no plans it it puts me in a good headspace. It makes me less highly strong. And I think I'm just more present as a person. Yeah. And would that be like a family weekend, you know? Yeah, I think so. Like, a, a, you know, genuine authenticity with my family, no makeup, in the comfies and yeah. just saying, well, what are we going to do today? Let's let the day unfold. And it's, yeah. you know, just really nice. 
I'm with you on that, definitely. And what is your ultimate good place on the planet? It's weird because it's not a physical place. It's a reflection of us, like Great Britain, the UK. Like, you know, there's been a lot of anger in the last few years and people calling each other out and and catching each other out and snitching on each other. And one thing that's happened in the last few days, as sad as it's been, it has shown us that we are brilliant. Like, you know, our queuing, our togetherness, our empathy, our respect for one another, our etiquette is second to none and no one else does it like us. So I think my all-time favourite place is the UK. Like, I'm so proud to be from here. There's no place like home. The way we do things isn't for everybody, but it is for us. And I think collectively we lost it a bit in lockdown in some pockets but when we came together for some of the other stuff we're reminded again we are really good at some stuff and we do it really well that's true our Britishness was never more evident really than it has been in the last fortnight Mm. that was great thank you so much I always love seeing your face and hearing you I can see Katie here (laughs) in the hello office so thank you for joining me Katie's new book a little bit of hope is out now Thanks so much, Katie. See you soon, I hope. Here's a little bit more about our partners, Luxury Family Hotels. Each of the five hotels in the collection showcases unique features that provide different hotel experiences. But what makes each of them so special is their location, history and connection to nature. Not just family friendly, these hotels are family focused, meaning they're designed with every family member in mind. Luxury family hotels understand that memories reside in the little things and there is plenty to delight and surprise through discovery and the small details at each location. From an Italianate mansion to a Jacobean manor house and a former royal lodge, the Luxury Family Hotels collection offers the perfect environment for your next adventure. To find out more, visit luxuryfamilyhotels.co.uk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do consider sharing it in case someone you know might enjoy it too. And if you fancy leaving a rating or a review on Apple, we would love that too. We're thinking of this podcast as a community, so I'd absolutely love to hear your feedback and suggestions for guests. Contact us at at HelloMag on all social media platforms. A big thank you to our partner, Luxury Family Hotels. You can find them at at Luxury Family Hotels. And don't forget to give Katie a follow on Instagram too, at Katie Piper underscore. Until next time.